been listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar playing, uh, trading, buying, breaking, modding, uh, breaking again, playing, <laughs> reviewing podcast. <laughs> How did I do, Steve? <laughs> the guitar, buying, selling, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. I probably left trading. I don't know. I left a couple There's out there. so much stuff in there. How are we supposed to remember it all? Uh, the guitar, buying, selling, training, fixing, mining, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. Were any of you guys tricked? Did you think I was Steve? Did you think Steve was me? It's, who knows? You say on the group, I guess. So, um, I think this is something we're working on. If you have some suggestions, send them into 60cycleumcast at gmail.com. But a couple of our listeners, uh, Jimmy Jr. and Phil, uh-huh. who don't actually need shout-outs anymore because we sh- have shouted them out enough. We uh, keep shouting at them. I know. Shouting um, out at them. Have started to... Do, they started a while ago, those two guys, and other people have kind of like made suggestions here and there for a 60-cycle hum drinking game. Oh, no. Um, and part of the challenge, I think, is to listen to like an episode while playing the drinking game and then at the end of the episode record your own version of the cycle hum intro and try to do our intro from memory Um, you know we probably should have listeners send us them reading the intro and we can start doing that as intros and what I'm thinking also is if you guys have suggestions for a 60 cycle hum drinking game uh, send it to us at the email and maybe we'll throw something together with like five or six rules. Uh-huh. And we're, we will have to pare it down, obviously, because there can only really be like one thing that is like chug your beer. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we don't want anyone dying on behalf of the podcast. Yeah, not that way. Uh, not yet. <laughs> uh, but it could be fun. Like, it could be a fun thing. And maybe if we can pare it down, we'll throw it on our sort of like... Uh, stationary uh, template thing that we have for different things that we do and throw it up on the Instagram. Hey, sure. And maybe certain rules will get swapped out here and there. But I know some of one of the older suggestions, which hasn't we haven't had doing that only comes up maybe once every 10 episodes is Steve's gearing up. Finish your drink. Uh huh. Or it became a it became a geography podcast. Take a drink. I think that uh Every time you go to the bathroom, someone has to down their beer. Okay. Like their whole beer. That's fair. Yeah. Well, yeah. Finish your drink. Finish your drink. (laughs) Speaking of finishing your drink, what are we drinking right now? We are drinking Jim Beam four-year bourbon. Hey, it ain't bad. No. I'm kind of impressed. Yeah. I, I, my sister bought this stuff uh, and I cracked it open just now just to have something to drink. It's a it's mighty smooth. Yeah, it's nice and warm tasting. Yeah, it makes my belly feel good. Mm. <laughs> Steve doesn't agree on that one. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> it's going to be a long night for Steve, apparently. I hope not. All right, so let's talk about what's new. What is new? I have a listener of the show and personal friend of ours, guitar in here, uh, Meg Lee's. Yeah, guitar is sitting right in here and looking at the case. It's covered in stickers. Band stickers. Here we go. We got epitaph. We got uh, number one gun. We got save Ferris. Pipe down. Uh, AFI is on there. There's a van sticker. Death by stereo. Uh, I don't know if I can read the rest from here. The Ataris. The Ataris. There pipe we go. down. You already said pipe down. Did I? Yeah. So oh. she's got her her guitar case in there. Tsunami and- bomb. 
Can't forget Tsunami Bomb. There's a girl in that band. If we don't remember, we're sexist. I don't know if I'm familiar with them. Oh. Um, well, I don't think she's in that band anymore because I don't know if that they exist, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, so inside her case is her Les Paul. Yeah. She said on the group the other day, oh, I don't like my Les Paul. It's not very good, but it probably needs a setup. And I was like, hey, I'll set up your guitar for you. Yeah, it's a black Les Paul Studio gold hardware. Yeah. Uh, I didn't bother trying to figure out what year it was because who cares? <laughs> well, I think it's supposed to be... The late 90s, isn't it? Like a 98? Probably late 90s, yeah. That yeah, sounds about right. It feels like a good guitar to me. It sounds really nice. The pickups sound really nice to my ear. I was playing around with it earlier. It definitely needs a setup, though. Well, it needs new strings. It needs new strings. Meg, when when were these strings from? I feel like these strings are the older. The late 90s. I feel like these strings are older than our friendship, Meg. What's going on? Um... So I might throw a new set of strings on there just to set this thing up right. I'm sure. probably going to fiddle around with the truss rod to get the neck a little bit flatter. It's a little bit more bowed than I think necks should be. But mm. it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. I think one I'm of the things th- this guitar really needs is a lemon oil bath. Like I, Not an actual bath, but I feel... It like, needs some hydration. I, I feel like the, the neck is really dry, and it's rosewood, which is kind of like a... I mean, I, I've never... There are two... Let's put it this well, way. The problem with it is it hasn't been played. It doesn't have that finger grease yeah. in there. And there are two silica gel packs in the case right now. Uh-huh. We're in San Diego. The humidity rarely gets above like 60%. Yeah. Not, I don't want to sound like we're digging into you, Meg, but is there... You can tell us on the group. Is there a story behind this, the silica gel packs? Uh, they were probably just in the case. Did Did you leave them in there for any reason? I don't. I don't think they're necessary. We're haters. I don't think we're hating. We're I not going to be friends. After maybe this. She, maybe she knows something that we don't. Maybe she, she keeps her guitar in a uh, cold, wet place. Yeah, that could be. That do, could be possible. Meg, do you keep your guitar in a cold, wet place? Yeah. Maybe you need the silica gel packs. You're not supposed to eat those. <laughs> Do not eat. I would replace those with snacks so that when you play this guitar, you have something to eat. But yeah, it's a great, it's a great playing guitar. I first played this guitar in maybe, uh, I don't know, 2003, 2004. I the first, first time played I played the, this guitar. I think I first played this guitar this morning when I, when I acquired it. I first played this <laughs> guitar outside of Ground Zero. Oh, all the way back then, huh? Yeah. Wow. So whatever year that was. Yeah, probably maybe two thousand five. No, probably two thousand four, four or five, something like that. Way back in the day. Yeah, I think it's a great guitar, though. I think I'm going to get it uh, playing just right, and then Meg can put it back underneath her bed and not play yeah. it for, <laughs> for ten years. The uh, I've, the Les Paul Studios, I think, are are a really good bang for the buck guitar on yeah. the used market. Uh, the prices have started to climb a little on it, just because Gibson. Even before the whole twenty nine percent thing, like their prices uh-huh. on the studios have gone up a little. Yeah, um, but you can get a good deal on a faded, which is an all mahogany body with burst buckers. The, yeah, the earlier fadeds, uh, you can still find those around six hundred. I see the studios more in the eight hundred to a thousand range, and I always hope the prices would drop on it. But I was saying the other I never day, see them. I never that, really see it happen. That now's probably a really good time to buy used Les Pauls. Yeah, because they're. You know, everything has been offsets and Telecasters for a while. Everyone's still really hot on those. You don't see a lot of Les Pauls around. People are probably trying to unload them for relatively cheap. Uh, They're just not... 
the sought after guitar right now for some reason. But guess what? They're a popular guitar for a reason and they're going to come back. Yeah. They're going to come back full swing again. You know, people are going to be, especially with all this stuff with the newer Les Balls not being all that popular, uh, people are going to be searching through kind of old stock, figuring out which years were best. Right. Uh, you know, from what I understand, anything late 90s and early 2000s is pretty good. So, And apparently this guitar was made on a Thursday. On a Whatever Thursday. that means. Yeah. If if you uh, if you have an, an itch inside you that you think you might want to own a Les Paul someday, now is probably the time to kind of look at the used market right. and figure that out before things turn around and they become the most sought after guitar again, you know? Because I remember these, you know, Les Pauls were like the guitar for a long time. Sure. Like everyone's like, oh, I don't understand why. Well, yeah, that was like, that was the alt rock scene. Like everything was kind of going towards a heavier sound. Yeah. Not necessarily new metal-y, but, but, you know, there was a heavy rock sound for sure. You know, things have swung around so weird, like, not a lot weird, but completely different. When when I was coming up in guitar in the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, everything was like, oh, you got to get as much wood as possible. You got to get the densest wood as possible with, you know, this craziest break angle behind the bridge. To get, <laughs> you're trying to get the most sustain out of your guitar. Right. And these days, it's everyone's got these offsets, really subtle break angle off the back of the bridge, you know, really, you know, kind of low output, single coil pickups on everything. Like, a, like the Les Ball is just kind of the antithesis of everything that's going on right now. Sure. But it's going to come around again because they're they're actually really great guitars. Yeah, and you know, there's just certain trends that happen. One of the honestly, I think one of the biggest thing with the Les Paul is is that they tend, on average, to be a little heavier. Yeah, um, and that's you know not helpful. But there's still tons of guys that are that are slinging these you know, things. Some of them are heavier than others. You go to the store, you go pick up one used, you figure it out. I carried this... The way it went down is basically my my mom lives uh, a few blocks away. Right. My mom babysits Meg's kid. I went over there this morning to drop off my kid. The guitar was waiting for me. So I carried this thing three blocks back to my house. It takes It's about a 10-minute walk. Sure. I didn't feel fatigued from carrying it. I didn't have it on my, around my neck. Right, but I walked for ten minutes carrying this thing in my hand, and it didn't feel, it didn't fatigue me. Yeah, uh, heaviest guitars I've ever played. We're going to talk about later. Let's go. Let's let's do this then. Let's just get into it. Yeah, uh, I found an ad. <laughs> we're going to talk about it right now, aren't we? Yeah, we're just going to talk about it right now. We're just get into the ads. Dang, yeah, we're getting into that's it. That's a good segue. I'm feeling this. <laughs> that Jim Beam is good stuff, man. I've usually been like a Seagram's guy. Seagram's is like bottom shelf, isn't it? Yeah, but it? that's like my go-to to mix it into a uh, like a Coke. Oh, yeah. So Seag- my dad Seagram's drink. in seven? Here it is. Here's the ad I was looking for. I found this earlier today on Craigslist. PVT30, electric guitar, 250 bucks. The PVT series from the 80s, those are easily the heaviest guitars I have ever picked up yeah. in my life. That is their reputation for think- sure. I don't know what wood they're made out of, but it feels like pure oak. I don't know what wood they're made out of either, but this particular one is in a natural finish, and it looks like a piece of furniture. Yeah. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to find out if these were made out of, out of oak or some kind of crazy furniture wood. 
they're bricks. But these, the T series is starting to pick up some steam lately. Yeah, like I think there's some like uh, some professional guys that are starting to play the what is it the T sixties. The T sixties are definitely the, I think the most popular of the T series. Uh huh. Uh, they have like those bigger like soap bar pickups in them. Yes. The the T thirty is more of like a strat layout with three smaller single coils. Yeah. But this it's PV's own design from the eighties. Their own pickups like they're totally different. They're like these weird rails, but and they have kind of their own thing going on. But these guitars are they're just players' guitars. Aside from their weight, these are great great guitars. Yeah, I mean the weight might contribute to them being great, but it doesn't. It's, it's well, it they will they will fatigue you. What this comes down to is this is like a. I mean, I don't know. This one says it's a 1982. If you put a blade on the side of this guitar, you could use it as an axe and chop oh down a gosh. tree. Yeah, well, that's probably true for most guitars. Yeah, but this one's already got the weight. You know, this is. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if these things weighed like 45 pounds. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yes. PVT-30 or small child? What weighs more? Um, so this is an 82. Uh, this is really... I don't know what year PV first started making guitars. Uh, but definitely while they were making guitars in the U.S., they were making very high-quality guitars uh-huh. that have been underappreciated by the used market. If you can deal with the weight of a T-Series, they're great players. Yeah. Uh, the basses that they made in the 80s are all great. I have a PV Generation from like 1989, which was also made in the USA. And that thing is is really cool. That thing's rock solid. Uh, it plays awesome. There's something weird with the high E string on that. But who plays that string anyway? I do. All the time. I don't know what's going on with that. I think there's a pickup alignment yeah. issue or something. But but otherwise... And, and that's some, that the one that I have has been beat to crap. Yeah. And sort of semi-restored. Um, but the PV stuff is just really solid. I think the Blade single coil... Is a pickup design that makes sense. It does. And I don't know why we don't see it more other than the fact that it's ugly. It looks heavy metal, and that's the problem. Right. But you think about like the hot rail style pickup. Yeah. Part of the idea with the blade style humbucker is that, oh, when you do a bend, you never lose sound. Absolutely. So why doesn't that translate to single coil, especially when you think about like... How many blues is is all about bends? Super bend, but then you think about it. Maybe it it adds to the effect of the bend that when you do the bend, when you're pushing it higher, you start to lose a little bit of gain and you move into a clearer sound. Maybe so that might contribute to the tone of that. But then for metal, that totally makes sense. You want that bend to keep gain throughout. I, I mean, to be perfectly clear, like I haven't played a guitar with a single coil single blade uh-huh. pickup just from thinking about it from what limited knowledge of of sonic engineering sure. that I have basic pickup physics like it makes sense to me it does there's nothing about a bladed pickup that doesn't make sense to me like yeah. as far as like a function goes I mean you think about the pickups that Michael Lodge made for us for that's in my strat right now that have 12 pull pieces yeah, that basically functions like a blade. Like you, 
you bend a string and it's going to still be over a pole piece. Yeah. Because there's so many pole pieces. For sure. You know, similar concept. Uh, But the the reason this caught my interest was because it's 250 bucks. Like I said, these things are starting to, to gain interest now. I looked on eBay. These things are going for 400 all the time now. Uh, so this is definitely flip potential. It comes with the original, like super crazy molded plastic case from PV. Okay, the thing, the thing looks like a piece of like military engineering. But that's the thing that you want because yeah. that is designed you want that for original the T series. Yeah, I mean, you can if it's more convenient for you, throw this thing in a soft bag if you own it. Sure, but but you want that hard case. That case is part of the package. You know, yeah. they used to, they made some cases for this line of guitars that had like the built-in amps too. This one really? does, this one doesn't have it, but some of them did have the built-in amp. Uh, but just a great guitar. Um, everything on this is pure PV. There's no parts on it that you could find on another guitar, basically. Maybe the tuners, but the bridge is an original PV design. The pickups are an original PV design. The body, the neck, you know, all these are original PV. They all have. A unique look like you're not picking up this guitar and having it be like oh this has a strap bitch i can do funny things to it Uh oh oh weird okay so that's one of the built-in amp ones i just fact checked you Uh oh 286 plus shipping 330 plus shipping on ebay 265 plus shipping 336 plus shipping i saw a bunch of cl- 237 plus shipping. These are sold. I saw some completed listings that went for 400. For, mm. two, for T30? T30. Here's a 435 plus shipping, and shipping is $77. Whoa. But it sold. But it sold, and here's one that was 520. So, yeah, there's, you, how old are those other ones? Uh, these are going back a few months. Weird. I th- I could have swore I saw a bunch that were like four hundred even. Well, regardless, at two fifty, there is definitely flip potential there. Sure. Or two, rather, two fifty. I bet this guy would have taken left less. I just closed Google Drive on my phone because I'm a moron. <laughs> uh, but still, at two fifty, these are undoubtedly players' guitars. Yeah, this is the kind of thing. The little delayed response because sure. I'm drinking some water, which probably came over the microphone. Yeah, that's in the, that's in your, in the most annoying you're way. You're gurgling and you're slurping and you're you're chugging the water. <laughs> um, in a lot of ways, at 250, it's almost like I would want I would buy it and sit on it for a couple years. Sure, if I had the space to do it. You know, this is an aside. Excuse me. Wow! <laughs> Super class. We've gotten to the uh, the body function sounds section <laughs> of the podcast where Steve uh, slurps and burps and does all kinds of other disgusting things. Would you like to go get some food, Steve? Do we have any? You can go get some food and chew some food for a while. What kind of food do you have over there? Uh, all sorts of stuff, Steve. Anything your heart could desire. Right, you want to pause this for a second? I'll go get some food. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay, we're going to pause it. Steve's going to get food. Okay, Steve is back and he is eating spaghetti noodles and green beans and some and some spaghetti sauce. Do you have anything to say for yourself? I'm trying to keep it off the mic. Oh my gosh. Are we done with this this PV ad? No. What there you, was something I was going to say about it. Okay, tell me what you're going to say. I don't remember. Oh, Steve chewing his food. 
It's incredible. All right, let's move on. Okay, I don't. If you <laughs> if you remember later, then uh, bring it up. I guess. Sure. Uh, next ad. This is uh, that youth group one. Who sent this to us? M- Matt Walls. Free Fender Squire Deluxe Strat in Little Axe. Where is Little Axe? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> My wife just texted me. No one wants to hear Steve eating. <laughs> <laughs> I thought your wife was in the car. No, she came back in very quietly. Oh, wow. Yeah, the she got the baby sleeping. Cool. <laughs> I know. She just texted me again. It's true. I know no one wants to hear Steve eating. Oh, Little Axe is apparently in Norman, Oklahoma. Okay. All right. <coughs> Do you want to read the copy on this? I can breathe. It is a picture of like a daffing blue uh, Strat Squire uh, with with some kind of crate amp. Yeah. Tonight is the start date to sign up. 6-3-2015. Free to the youth that brings the most most youth to the Wednesday Night Youth Group. Squire Deluxe Stratocaster Solid Body. These sell for $2.99 at Sweetwater have a five-star rating. Come sign up and win this guitar and amp. We'll be giving away in a few weeks from start date. <coughs> Sorry. This is a Squire Fender Deluxe Stratocaster. This was top of the line. This was... Yeah, it was top... This is an aside. This was top of the line until the Vintage Modified right. and Classic Vibe series right. came out. It has Seymour Duncan design pickups... And it is modded with a TBX. What is that TBX? The TBX circuit. I don't know that these had that, but whatever. All right. I don't even know what it is. It's the circuit that's in the Clapton track. Strat. It's like an active tone control. Oh, okay. Uh, it has a maple neck, and the guitar is beautiful and plays fantastic. It will be given away at Little Axe Baptist Church. I-, I will omit the address, but you can Google that. Sure. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock and find out the details of the giveaway. Uh, I will not name the person named in this ad. We'll be giving this away for free and this setup is no joke. The amplifier is a great tube amp and it was modded to use as a recording amp. It was $299 plus $100 speaker modification. It has a 10-inch Jensen loudspeaker. It sounds amazing for its size and will be given away with the guitar. This is over $600 worth of gear. Wednesday at 7 p.m., youth group, Little Axe Baptist Church. I'm going to say this. We talked about this uh, a little in the group. This is weird. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> what? I I don't have an issue necessarily with churches giving... St- I, I should say, I, I take a little bit of an issue with churches giving stuff away. I don't have an issue with youth groups giving stuff away because I think, t- like high schoolers operate a little right. differently than Especially the way like a motivational ad- thing adults do. Well, I have heard of churches like with the adult service will be like if you if you have bulletin number two five eight you just won five hundred dollars. Uh, they do like the Oprah thing. Yeah, or it's like oh somebody on Father's Day. Which is timely because Father's Day was yesterday. Oh. We'll win a new car. Like they do weird stuff like that, where it's like, oh, we're giving away a Ford Explorer for Father's Day, right? Um, that kind of stuff I think is weird. A Ford Explorer giving a what, what is this like nineteen ninety seven? I don't know. 
<laughs> Did they even make the Explorer anymore? I have no idea. Um, but to give a kid a guitar as a youth group kind of promotion, uh, you want to get kids excited. Like, I, I get it. I work with youth. Right. There's a line that's being crossed here that is putting it in the weird zone, is that it's being advertised on Craigslist. Yeah. This is... They're advertising it outside of the church to bring people in from outside the church, which I feel like is, is not cheating, but it's going outside the spirit of what I think is maybe trying to be a contest. Like the guy's trying, this guy's obviously a youth leader. He's trying to get kids in his youth group to bring a bunch of people to the youth group, which is, you know, it's not an unusual thing. I'm going to say the worst thing ever. Okay. Well, let me finish saying my worst thing. Okay. Uh, well, it's not the it worst. It won't be as bad as mine. Okay. Um, the I'm just fact gonna that be he's going to be over here eating. He's going outside of the existing like church youth group to bring in people from Craigslist is what makes it weird. Because it's like, hey, random kids, just come here and bring a bunch of other people with you and then you'll win this guitar. Like, it just feels shady to me. Okay, you say your weird thing when you're done chewing your spaghetti. All right. A gang. Oh, my gosh. In Norman, Oklahoma. Shows up to youth group. Like, 40 deep. 40 people. Is that how many people are in a gang? I don't know. I think a gang is... is I, I was about to say something really inflammatory. <laughs> how many people do Very you need? Very controversial. How Never many, mind. How many people do you need for a gang? Uh, it depends on the color of your skin. What? <laughs> According to the cops. Oh my gosh. My, my point is, is some random group yeah. on Craigslist. 40 white kids is a group. When I say gang, Four like... Four black kids when is I a say, gang. Oh my god. Oh, okay. Alright. When I say gang, I'm not trying to imply anything. I'm just saying like a group of kids up to no good regardless of if they're making trouble in your neighborhood creed or color um show up to this thing for the because oh man it's six hundred dollars worth of stuff let's put this back on craigslist and buy six hundred dollars worth of weed and then split it all up amongst the the whole of us how far can you split six hundred dollars worth of weed i don't know i don't know how i much don't know weed weed prices and i don't actually know dis- distribution of use <laughs> like if you say that you've got a few ounces of weed, I don't know how many uh, servings of weed that is. <laughs> like if you, like I don't even know. I wouldn't even begin to be able to figure that out because obviously I'm not not a uh, a user of the uh, of of the ganja of the ganja hash of the hash. Not a fan of Weezer's hash pipe. I'm not a fan of Weezer in general. Okay, well that's fair. I just we just lost half our listeners when I said that. No one ever talks about Weezer in our group. Which bye 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 listeners. Bye bye people who love Weezer. I'm sorry that I pushed you hey, away. Hey, I like Weezer. I, I mean, I don't love Weezer, <laughs> right? But I I don't have any interest in them. Okay, I like that song "Saint Ain't So." Right. This is just a weird ad. It feels shady. It feels like what's wrong with a lot of what churches do. Sure. Um, I agree. As, as Christians, it makes us feel icky. Yeah, it's it's weird. Again, like if this was something that was done in within the group, sure. Like, 
hey guys, oh, you want to go? So, you know, you promote it in the group, and then one of the kids goes to all his friends, like, yeah, I'm trying to win this guitar. Like, you yeah. guys want to help me out? Like, okay, like, whatever. Like, you want to incentivize that stuff. I think the level of incentivization you give kids is a little different. I mean, you know, uh, we incentivize a lot of things for kids. I mean, how many parents uh-huh. have bribed their kids with dessert to, you know, have them make their bed or whatever? Sure, sure. Um, but when it gets into like I, I think of Craigslist as an adult territory. Yeah, and whenever like, the kids aren't, you know, very few kids are like, okay, I'm going to meet this stranger at a Seven Eleven exactly. parking lot and do a transaction over hundreds of dollars. Whenever I've sold something to a kid, there's been a parent. There, there. has been a parent present. Yeah. Um. Whenever I have, I mean, there have been a few occasions where. I've sold stuff to people and they've been like, yeah, I'm buying this for my kid. Right. Or my kid saw this on Craigslist and was like, dad, go buy this for me. Craigslist is a weird place to market to kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like kids are, it maybe, probably gets you on some kind of government list. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so maybe things are a little different in Norman, Oklahoma. I don't know. Apparently both Matt Walls and Jimmy Jr. live in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh-huh. But... This is just sketchy. Yeah, super sketch. Like, and it's just, it's just got a bad vibe. I will say, I do think it's humorous that Little Axe Baptist Church is giving away an axe, a squire. <laughs> They're giving away a little axe at yeah. Little Axe Baptist Church. But, you know, this, this rig is interesting. There's obviously been some modifications done to this guitar. I don't think that's stock. It's a pretty guitar, that really nice daffing blue. Uh, Is there a Squire tube amp that has a 10-inch speaker? Do you that's know? That's not Squire. It's a crate amp. Or Sorry, I meant crate. I, I don't know. That, just that not... amp is weird looking to me. I'm not sure what's going on with it. It's been modified to have a different speaker, apparently. It's been modified for studio use. I have a feeling what's going on here is that someone within the church was like, had like a really nice homes recording setup, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not really using this. I'm going to donate it to the youth group." You know what and this, this is? is? This is the outcome of mm. that donation. I think this is a crate RFX series. What is that? It's solid state. Sure, of course. Uh, and somebody maybe an RFX thirty. All right, I think that has a ten inch speaker. It looks really deep, like a bass amp. Looks, it looks like a cube. I think that's just the camera angle. Okay. Um, but it looks like it has gold trim. Huh. And that's RFX. That's the RFX series. Interesting. Um, but, I mean, it's probably a, a, it's probably a work serviceable amp. I mean, you know? for con- for contest guitars, you could do a lot worse than this. Package. For sure. Yeah. For sure. This isn't... I don't know... They describe this as being a Fender... Or a, rather, a Squire Deluxe. I'm, I don't know anything about a Squire Deluxe series. I'm not familiar with that. But I know the the standard series is a decent guitar. Sure. I am always squeamish. And Deluxe has to be better than standard, right? Right. I'm always squeamish about the affinities. They're really hit or miss. The bullets are hit or miss. Yeah. But once you hit the standard series, like you're usually, I would say you hit more than you miss. Sure. Once you get out of like strat pack territory, right? You're probably doing all right with squires, like mm-hmm. the, like the stuff that Guitar Center tries to sell for a hundred bucks. That's not the good stuff. Sure, the stuff that's like oh a three hundred dollar squire, that's it's gonna be decent. 
It's going to be a playing sure. guitar. Well, $300, I mean, that's still probably MSRP. Yeah, totally. Probably 180 or 180 off the shelf or something. Sure, sure. They'll be players. They won't be a professional level instrument, but they'll be players. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. It'll be a fun guitar. Word. Yeah. Word up, homies. Do you want to move on? Let's move on. Let's move on to the next ad. I think this ad is from Duke Lukem. You think so? I believe that is what... Or No, just kidding. It's not. <laughs> it's it's from, from Kyle Smith. Do we need a name for Kyle Smith? We probably do. Uh... Uh... Squire, oh my no! What what what? I Let's wanna, think of something. Kyle, send us some ideas for I what want, you want it to be. I want to stay within like a medieval theme. A medieval theme. Yeah, for, I feel like Squire is kind of a dick move name to give somebody because Squire is such. I was like just trying a, to rhyme with Kyle. I know. Squire Kyle 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 Squire. It kind of it feels the same on my know. on my tongue. I don't like it. Kyle Smith. Uh. What, uh... How about Baron Von Smith? Baron Von Smith, the Baron of Ads. I think Kyle is the founder of Offset Guitars. Yeah, I think so. Which is like a huge... Fa- well, they're bigger than us. Yeah. Facebook group. Lots of people there. Uh, are their, their group is bigger than our group. Their podcast does not have nearly as many listeners as us. Do they have a podcast? No. <laughs> well, that's why. Well, deal with it. Well, if you have a podcast that's... Limited to offset guitars, I don't feel like there's a lot of material. Listen, there. this is all I'm getting at. Okay, our podcast is awesome. It's the best. It is the best. And I don't care who you are listening. I don't care if you're if you're someone named uh, Paul. I don't care if you're someone named Lance. I don't care <laughs> if you're someone named Travis. Our podcast is the best. <laughs> what What if your name is Matt? <laughs> if your name's or Matt, Joe, yeah, Joe. We've got the good one. Legitimately, our I think our quality, like quality wise, we are the most consistent pot gear podcast in the world. Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> most consistent, currently active. I don't listen to any podcasts yeah, that aren't I active. I'm not willing to say what we are. I think we have our shortcomings just as many as other people. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We love all the other podcasts, honestly. <laughs> we love we love the Lutherist. Uh, oh, yeah. Every now and then I listen to... You know what? I take that back. I think Paul Roney has the most, quality-wise, the most consistent podcast. Probably. Theirs is like... They have not made a bad episode. No. They have not made an episode where I was like, geez, what is wrong with my audio? They record on a freaking iPhone. That's probably why it's always consistent. It's the same every time. It's never awesome, but it's never bad. (laughs) No, no, I mean mean that... This episode is being recorded the weekend before you go to Cowerfest. But this episode will air a week after yeah, Cowerfest. So you'll get to go there and you'll get to have a good time hanging out with Cower. And he's going, wow, Steve's just a really nice guy. And then in a week and a half, he's going to hear this. No, but like, what did you say? Le- legitimately, though, uh, The Lutherist <laughs> is probably my favorite gear podcast after our own. Yeah. And, and I don't just, just say that because they name drop us sometimes. <laughs> no, like legitimate, like they're, they're be, I, yeah, they use an iPhone to record their podcast, but for like what one, but for one, for one, one phone, but in a lot of ways, it's so simple. It's foolproof. Yeah. Their quality is always like 
You know, there's there's podcasts. You listen to episode two. You listen to whatever episode number they're on now. Yeah, there it's the same quality in terms of audio. Yeah, in terms podcasts, of audio quality, there's podcasts where if they have a poor quality episode, I just won't listen to it. I haven't run into that with the Lutherist. This is suddenly becoming the worst episode I that know, we've right? ever done. But I, here's, here's what I want to say: It's the bourbon man. From time to time, there's been people who on the Facebook group call out other podcasts and say, oh, I just couldn't listen to it this week or, oh, oh, I don't like this podcast for whatever reason. That's not what we're all about. We we want to support everyone who's doing yeah. a good gear podcast. And if it's poor quality, then let the listenership decide, you know. And legitimately, like on the production side... Unless you're backed by like NPR where you've got a producer doing this or like some big thing like it's I don't know what kind of work how much work you put in. I've listened to other podcasts that are kind of like self-produced where the guys are like, yeah, I spend three to four hours like throwing this stuff together. I know we've talked about it. I know you don't put quite that much time in. I put in about it depends on what mistakes happened. Sure. I put in somewhere between 20 minutes to an hour editing an episode. Yeah. Do you do you ever edit stuff out? Very rarely. Very, very rarely. Yeah. I know a lot of podcasts. Like, I mean, listen to everything that happened in this episode. I know, right? Steve was chewing spaghetti, burping. Is that, is that in there? I tried to avoid the mic. No, it's all in there, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> you need to sit back a little bit right now. You're getting a little hot. No, I'm just getting loud. Okay. <laughs> You're blasting so, me out. Speaking of quality, should we get to this freaking ad? Yeah, this is from Kyle Smith. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say he's the founder of Offset Guitars, and I'm okay with being wrong about that. We need to come up with a name for when Kyle say, Smith that, has, that relates to Offset. When I say Offset Guitars, I'm talking about the Facebook group that's actually super cool. Yeah. Sir, Sir Kyle of Offset. Sir Smith. Sir Smith of Offset. Okay. This... this <laughs> Ad is from Reverb. <laughs> Ryan titled it, Why, Eddie? Seriously, Eddie. I'm not a swearing man, but I I want to say bad words about I this know. guitar. I know. We're really trying to avoid that E. Yeah, that, uh, that parental guidance warning on the iTunes. Um, I've mentioned recently on the group, on a post somewhere, that we have to remember... That any guitar, any guitar from Fender that wasn't a Telecaster or a Stratocaster, in basically through the seventies into the nineties, was considered like pawn shop fodder. Absolutely, like was not respected by anyone at all. Was considered like a weird part of Fender's past. Yeah. Or considered like a budget student model that was not desirable. Right. The guitar we are about to talk about was marketed as a student model. And so because of that, for about good 20 to 30 years, a lot of these guitars took a lot of really bad abuse. Like bad things happened to Jaguars. Bad things happen to Jazzmasters. Bad things happen to Duosonics and Mustangs. Yeah. Things that can't be reversed. Until maybe... I don't want to put a number on it because I just... I can't. Yeah. But until a few... We'll say a few well, years ago... You know, people say that the turning point was Kurt Cobain. No way. It was... You know, the, he he made it look cool to play. You know... 
kind of these older guitars and you know Sonic Youth and stuff like that. But they still didn't have any collector's value. People were still like, oh, I, I'm going to get a Jaguar and I'm going to rip all the electronics Bands out. Bands like Sonic Youth and the Pixies and Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, Kurt yeah. Cobain, they made offsets cool. But like but, in the way that you smash them on a stage. But, yeah, exactly. Think about the, the people... Now Nirvana, I mean Nirvana, and those and the Pixies and Sonic Youth, Sonic Youth, wow, yeah, those Sonic Utes. Youth, the Sonic they, Youth, they had some like mainstream success, but in general, like when I th- when you think about like those scenes, you're talking about like still very much like a gutter punk mentality, yeah. And so well, yeah, the, the, the attraction made, of these guitars was that you could pick them up for a few hundred dollars, and you could smash them, and then go pick up another one for a few hundred dollars. You right, know? right. People, um, people talk about different things. My so I own a Jag Sting, which is an original series, nineteen ninety six, Fiesta Red Fender Jag Sting. You make it sound like it's worth more than what you paid for it. Do you know what I paid for it? No, like four hundred. So, no. 300? No. 100. Well, more than that. 150. Not a little more. 275. Can I just tell this? <laughs> so, but it's it's worth it's worth slightly more now than it was worth when you bought it. It's worth between 5 and 700 dollars now yeah. on the, on the market. I've seen some go for more. Mine has a big gash in the back. Yeah. Uh because one day when I was like had it out on my desk, this was when I was like maybe 19, 18, 19 years old, I put a big scratch in the back, maybe like an inch or two long. Uh-huh. And it's a deep gouge. It's not like it's not like belt rash. Yeah. It's like a legit scratch. It's an anger rash. Yeah. <laughs> I still think I could get about five hundred and fifty bucks for it, even okay. with All this. Right, well, let's make our point with this. Uh one. my so I got that for two fifty. Wow. Yeah. I got it for two fifty and like maybe 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. That's really good. Yeah. Well, at the time, that's what they were going for on eBay. Yeah. I actually told my mom, she saw that at, um, she's like, oh, I saw this guitar. It's like Jack Stang or something. And I looked it up on eBay and that's what they were going for at the time, like 250 uh-huh. or 200 maybe, 200. I think they're going for like 200, 250, somewhere Wow, there. that's crazy. Maybe it was 300. But I told my mom, I was like, don't pay more than 250. She bought it anyway. Uh-huh. Um, even though I told her not to get it. So thanks, mom, yeah, for, thanks my first, mom. for my first electric guitar. Um, but my point is that like offset guitars, even like they were not respected 10 years ago. Let's say 10 years ago. I 2005. Think, I don't think they were respected guitars. I think they were respected, but no one was using them. I think sure. Were, okay. I'll, like, I'll change okay, that. I think people were like, okay, these are interesting guitars, but the, 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 the musical environment was totally different. Right. They were, they were respected, but they weren't valuable. Sure. No, no. Jaguars and Jazzmasters started to become valuable late 90s. You think so? Yeah. Like things, I, but not things, like they are now. No, not like they are now, but things drastically changed. They they got over $1,000. All right. I'll say that. They went from being $200 guitars to being $1,200 right. guitars within a decade. Sure. Sure. But I could say the same thing for 1982 Stratocasters. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Do you want to I'm talking about 60s. Right. Fenders right. here that yeah. were not worth more than a few hundred dollars in the 90s. Do you want to read this ad or do you want me to read you this read ad? You read this ad. Oh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
A heavily used and modded with a later fender neck. Body is routed. Oh, this is going for $600. And Eddie carved his name into the body. Thanks, Eddie. Damn it, Eddie. Like he... Okay, real quick. There's people who've carved their name into things. Sure. This isn't scratched into the back of the body. This is like chiseled with like an inch wide chisel on the front of the body and the Y at the end of Eddie has like the, the leg coming down that goes across the entire guitar body. It is body. at least I'll say 14 inches long. This thing is huge and you've probably lost 12 ounces of wood with this carving. Yeah. Alright. Uh, Not 12 ounces. It's your probably, wife, it's probably your, like an ounce and a half. Your wife is blowing up my email right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 1966 body and pickup, 70s neck, missing the logo. You can still see the shadow of the Fender Mustang logo. Might have repro guard. Frets are good. Non-original blank neck plate. F- neck is 24 inch quarter in- 24 inch quarter scale. Should just be 20 s- scale anyway. 24 inch scale. Uh, <laughs> Your wife just texted me. Uh, body has lots of wear, scratches, and nicks and dings. Body has been routed. Comes with a non-original Fernandez tweed hard shell case. I can live with that. Sure. Guitar has a new set of strings, sold as is, with no refund or return. See all photos. Extra hold in back of neck. Uh, extra hold where the neck joins the body. You should have posted some more pictures of this. I didn't find this. This was a screen grab sent uh, to us. I guess I should have tried to look at this on Reverb because some of the issues that have with that exist with this guitar, I think if I was like sketchy, uh-huh, I could work around them. What do you mean? Like Eddie carved into the top of the body? Oh, you're going to say like Eddie Vedder did it? No, I just refinished the body. That <sighs> use grain filler, dude. You can fill that in. I don't know. That would that, that's not that's not a do at home job. To to this is a do. If you stripped this, filled the body, and refinished it, that's a lot of work, man. You could, dude. I know you like to talk trash about your glitter caster, <laughs> but the parts that you have actually like spent time trying to figure out how to finish are freaking great. But if you were to finish refinish this guitar it's not gonna look like it's aged. Is you're right, it's not gonna look like it's aged, but it'll be worth more than six hundred dollars. And eventually when it get when the, the weather changes, all that uh <laughs> freaking Mod Podge you jammed in there is gonna flex and crack the paint and you're gonna have paint cracks that say Eddie. Not if you sell it to somebody in Southern California. <laughs> this thing is it's a six hundred dollar disaster. It's got a neck from the wrong year for the body. That is a, that is kind of an issue. And the fact that the logo sanded off, even if you can see it, which is that's the same state as my PV generation. And we're which kind of wondering if that's the right scale length for a Mustang, which would give you some intonation issues if that's not yeah, right. Yeah, 24 and a half is weird. It should be 24. Yeah, and I don't know, man. 600 bucks for this. I'd have a tough time. I would be... Cu- Here's the thing. If someone 
if this was local and it was $400, I might go check it out just to be like, yeah, I got a $400 Mustang and it's a, a POS, but it's $400 and now I have a Mustang if I ever want that Mustang sound and, you know, who cares what it looks like. And then maybe I'd just like do something creative over the Eddie situation. Sure. Just slap a punk rock sticker on Guys, top of you it. Could, you could throw 250 bucks at this and take it to a refinisher and get that, get a decent job done on this. Yeah. Get it taken back to like cream white or something like that. Yeah. And then you basically got a vintage Mustang sort of. You might be okay parting this out. You know, if you could get this like 400 bucks, do you think the part, the flips on the parts is there? Like pickups, neck, mm. hardware? Maybe. This is really, it makes me sad. You'd have to find someone because. I'm not even a big Mustang fan, but this makes me like kind of hurt inside. The neck would be stamped, but you'd have to find someone who would be okay with looking at a stamped neck and ignoring the fact that the logo is missing. Yeah. This is a bummer. Damn it, Eddie. Why did you have to do this? You know, if it wasn't for the signature, for the the carving on the body, what do you think this would go for? I don't know what the running value on, like, vintage Mustangs are, even though this is a couple different years. Uh-huh. I I really have no idea. With I feel the, like it'd be over a 1000 Uh, With the Fender logo wiped, I would probably peg it at 800 to to 1000 Really? Yeah. I think with Eddie carved into it, you're definitely in the three to four hundred dollar range. Yeah, that's just so rough, and it's not even good handwriting. I mean, if he worked on his penmanship a little bit, this might be like a three fifty, four fifty guitar. If only Eddie was paying attention in the second grade. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this one's a bummer. Let's move on to the topic. We've only got about like. Uh, like 10 or 15 minutes to nail the topic. All right. We got a topic from Richard Morris. Topic. Who, by the way, is a PV employee. Yeah. He works for like the IT department. Yeah. But he sent us some emails. Hopefully down the road when we get things figured out. Um, well, you know what? Let's throw this out there. We're I think we're going to end up going a little longer than usual. Sure. Um, we've been kind of toying with the idea of some crowdfunding ideas. Uh-huh. We're trying to hammer out the details because it's a really confusing world. It is. Um, and we want to do the thing that's the best for our listeners yeah. as well as best for us. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing this basically for free for about a year and a half. Uh-huh. And that's awesome. We yeah. love doing this. I think, I mean, I love doing this. Yeah. Especially since you do more and more of the work and I do less and less. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but... Well, I, th- I think there's a lot of graphic stuff that I do. Yeah. 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 I think as the video stuff is kind of taken off because... Yeah, the video stuff is a lot of And that's sort of your side job anyway. Yeah. Like you have a side company doing that. Um, my point being that um, is, you know, we there are certain financial things where it's like we're comfortable doing what we are doing now. Right. But there are things that we'd like to do that we don't know how to do well. And we want to do it in the best way possible. And that is... Uh, interviews. Yeah. Uh, we did the TMG interview. We've done some call-in kind of stuff. Yeah. But and they're they always just, just like super jury-rigged and like shoestring yeah, together. Yeah, the quality hasn't been as high as we would like. And it's a lot of effort. Yeah. And uh, so it's something that um, 
we're tr- we're exploring some options right now, uh, slowly but surely, trying to figure out if there's a and better way to do what we do. And don't write us and tell us to use Skype. That's not an option. Yes, yeah, Skype is no. There, if you have a, and don't say FaceTime either. Yeah, the reason <laughs> Skype works for like cracked and NPR and whatever is because they're using like is because they're using like professional grade business internet connections. Like, yeah. uh, was it like, uh, what do they call it? Like T one lines and whatever, yeah. like ultra high speed internet. So it works for them because it's top of the line computing it's top of the line internet connections. We don't have access to any of that stuff. So we're looking at recording options. We've tr- tried the, the double enter, which is it's okay. Yeah. It's not, uh, but you know, the double ender really works best when everyone is in a recording studio. Yeah. We're not exactly in a studio, but we might as well be. Yeah, we're, we we have a decent setup. Right. Yeah. But, you know, when the person... We have the best setup that $200 can buy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and that's the thing is we don't... You know, when you listen to an NPR podcast, like, you have a person in the studio on one end, and then the person that... They're interviewing is going to like their local NPR studio, yeah. or they're or they're calling in and they have the equipment to yeah. handle phone or calls, the, or there's someone who does phone interviews all the time, so they have a home set up, right? And they're aware of how to do things correctly. And basically, what we're saying is that we we're going to try to figure out how to generate more budget so that we can increase the quality of our equipment and the quality of our techniques. And also, you know, we'd love to do more travel things. We would have loved to go to like Summer Nam. Uh, Steve has gone to Cowerfest after we've recorded this weekend after we recorded this. Yeah. I wasn't able to make it, but if you know, if there was more budget, then it would have been something that I would have been able to go do yeah. probably. Like and you, you tied this into be like a family trip, uh, right? I don't have any family up there, so I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't tie anything together like well, that. Just send someone in your family to live in Sacramento. Also, I can't see taking a a ten month old on a <laughs> like twelve hour drive. Dude, I'm taking a five month old. It's different, man. I uh, know, I know. Like, like I think I talked to to my wife like five months ago. Like, oh hey, there's going to be this thing, and it's going to be up in Sacramento, and I'd probably be gone for like two or three days. And back then, you know, the way you know a four or five month old is completely different. And she's like, oh yeah, you know, if, if everything's fine, then you know, go do that. You know, it sounds like it's important. Sure. And then like a week ago, I was like, hey honey, that thing up in Sacramento is coming <laughs> up. And she like turned and she looked at me and she had this look in her eye like, please don't leave me here with this thing. <laughs> you got to take them with you, man. I'm taking everyone. I don't. I, it's a family trip. I know, but you, you, your kids are different ages. No, I know. And um, you know, it's it's different. So anyway, the big thing is is this is a topic not suggested by Richard Morris, but it's something that we wanted to talk about. And he works for PV and he's given us some contacts at uh, PV and at some other companies. Uh-huh. And we just haven't really moved on it because we're not in a position to do it yet, unfortunately. Not to do it well. Uh, not to do it. Yeah, not to do it to the quality level that we feel comfortable with With really like putting our stamp on, right. on, a, consist- on a consistent basis. Sure. So there'll be more information as as we explore that yeah all right read this thing oh my gosh lauren is sending me stuff and stuff and stuff all all honey that will be other episodes yeah she's in the other room with the baby listening to us and sending us dozens of craigslist ads (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm gonna finally read you're gonna have to screenshot this like in the next three or four days to make sure they don't disappear i know i should probably do it all tonight okay 
I'm finally going to read this topic from Richard. <laughs> We're at an hour right now. I don't know how much time we'll, we'll what, put on dude, this. Dude, no one cares if we go long. I know. Well, I care. You're the only one. <laughs> I listened to I listened to us at 1.5x speed. <laughs> okay. And our podcast only takes 45 minutes. Oh my gosh. Here we go. Are we the only people who desire hand-wired electronics? I guess some audiophiles are into it as well. Everyone uses PCs, phones, well, a long list of things we listen to and look at and write in that have mass-produced surface-mounted components on PCBs. Do we question the reliability or quality? Imagine if you got on a modern jet airliner with hand-wired electronics and vacuum tubes. I don't think there would be any advantage to that. Don't get me wrong. I love having a handmade pedal on my board, knowing that a guy or gal who loves to build the guitars or amps or pedals that I own does make it more special, but I think we might be exaggerating their value. What do you say? Uh, hold on a second. I'm texting my wife. <laughs> well, there's there's a lot of wife texting going on this episode. Yeah. Here's what I, here's what I got to say. Well, right off. it's a Wednesday. Here's here's what so I gotta say. It's a weird day. Here's what I got to say right off the cuff. It's the 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 value of these things aren't exaggerated. the The cost of these things is what is needed for the people who make them to make a living. That's fair. Uh, but then you get into the territory of like, well, do we need these hand-wired things? And then the the flip side of that is, well, if you want to have innovative designs from smaller builders that kind of push the boundaries of what can be done, they aren't investing in you know, robots to build these things. They are building 200 pedals on a really good run, you know, and they're doing it by hand. They're not building 30,000 pedals like a boss would, you know, or like a Digitech would. So there's a, the the trade-off is not as, you know, I think the, the hand wired or hand built selling point as a quality mark is probably, you know, a little bit of BS depending sure. on what you're talking about. But what is available as far as innovation in hand hand done versus, you know, machine done is is two very different things. So the first thing is I think hand wired and I'm just talking about pedals here. I guess I'm talking about guitars and amps too. But that's it's like if you go buy a you know a stereo or a DVD player or a cell phone, you're not going to expect it to be hand wired, and that wouldn't be a thing because they've got to make you know a million of these things to to you know fill the market. It's not the same amount of numbers. It's not the same amount of innovation. It's for it's not for um you know a technology scene that values immeasurable concepts like mojo you know oh yeah mojo is totally measurable how do you measure mojo uh by jack white units jw jw's that's gonna become a thing from now on for us yeah what's the jwu's on this i've got a i've you know we didn't talk about it in the new stuff because i haven't had enough experience with it yet but I've got that TC Electronics Hall of Fame. 
right now i'd guess it's about 20 jwus really what's a what's a high point on a jwu uh, well you know that what's J- a range we dropped that jhs twin 12 episode of uh, video about a week and a half ago uh-huh. and that thing is probably about 100 jwus okay what i mean the- that's some serious mojo <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. I hope this becomes a thing that other people use outside of the culture of our podcast. All right. uh, uh, Realistically, I mean, every other sector of technology, even audio to some extent, is is all about smaller. Consider that I have an iPhone. And also consistency. Yeah. Consider that maybe not in terms of of system stability, but in terms of computing power, my iPhone four is more powerful than the than every computer that sent Apollo eleven to the moon. Sure, it's probably more powerful than every computer that was on space shuttles. Sure, sure, that's fair. I think yeah. that's fair. I don't think those guys were playing Temple Run up there. No. <laughs> what about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and and my my point being that like I am currently holding my iPhone four, which is an old iPhone, uh-huh. in my hand. It's not even an S; it's just it's a straight four. Just a four. Um, and I don't know what I was going to say about it, but lots of computing power. If something this size was built like by hand using like even trans like normal size transistors circuits that you could see yeah it would be monstrous yeah ridiculous i mean consider that the the ibm vacuum tube computers in the 1950s basically they were capable of adding and subtracting yeah like i mean they, think about a strymon pedal with its dsp if you built you could build that thing to be analog to run that that all the same signals and it would fill a room, you know, right. with with tubes and with circuits and stuff like that to do all the things that it does uh, to replicate the the digital things that are going on inside of it. Thankfully, digital stuff is smaller and so you can do some really powerful things with it. I think there's a lot of mystique around older analog te- technologies for pedals. And like I was saying, it allows people to actually build things like yeah. with their hands. There's a, definitely a building component to it, and I think one of the reasons this is limited to the anal art analog to the audiophile world and the audio world is because there is a uh, I don't quite know the word. Um, there is, I, I guess you said mystique earlier. There's I think, a mystique. There's a glorification. I think that's a good word. Glorification there's a, there's is a good. glorification of the immeasurable is well, what I say. And I think with the production of music in general, we really hit, at least in like the rock and roll world. Uh-huh. I think rock and roll... (laughs) Professional podcasters over here. Yep. (laughs) This is why we're going to do a crowdfunding. Yeah, we're going to beg for money after after things like that. Um, I think rock and roll really peaked out in the 70s. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a fan of 70s music. Okay. (laughs) You're 
you're saying multiple things that I, I disagree I, with. I'm saying, well, no, no. So my point is that, like, I think for the general listening population, they would say, like, oh, like Zeppelin, Cream, Pink Floyd, like these are the iconic rock bands. Uh-huh. I'm just not a fan of any of that stuff. Maybe it's because I haven't really delved into it. Sure. I don't know. Like my musical. Um, like the stuff that's like closest to my heart is very like is like late nineties, early two thousand stuff. Sure. And oh, of course, me too. That's when we were coming up. Sure. But for even a lot of people who are the same age of us as us would still say like, oh, Zeppelin, sure, SRV, well, whatever. There's a lot of hero worship go- that goes yeah. on just for the sake yeah. of hero worship. But the bigger thing is that like this, the technology that existed at that time was all analog. It was very straightforward. And there's an imperfection in all of that technology that only translates to, I'm using air quotes here, good Uh sound in the audio world. Right. Because in any other sort of electronic transmission, fidelity, the closer you can get to perfect fidelity, the better. Uh But... I mean, in the, I mean about, this whole this whole road that we've gone down as far as what we consider guitar tone, all started when a cheapskate named Leo Fender put smaller tubes in an amp than it should have had. Right, and so then you got a then you got an amp that didn't have high fidelity sound that that started to break up when you started to push it. And then he slapped a vibrato on a guitar and called it a tremolo. Right, you know, it's the the, the secret to tone is in audio equipment that is applying resistance that keeps it from being high fidelity. Right. And it, and if you think about like the maj- the majority of music listeners uh-huh in the mid to late 90s, early 2000 early 2000s it started to shift, but mid to late 90s it was like CDs, CDs, CDs. Right. In the early 2000s when we went digital all of a sudden bandwidth became like a thing now i'm sure there were listeners in the in the late 90s that were like cd suck record albums sure, yeah, sure. vinyl but i think in the last like maybe five to eight years vinyl has had a massive resurgence yeah absolutely because people are well, the only way the bands can out. make money selling albums well, on well there's that now. too but in terms of like an audio level like people have gone back and said like oh this is warm yeah warmth is just bad fidelity. Absolutely. Our low fi- lower fidelity. Some of that has well, to- it's, you know, it's like I said it's this it's this immeasurable quality. Right. Uh but warmth comes from a lot of things. I think it comes from having the e- the EQ of something represented in a more analog way. Or, you know, the frequent... Like, you think of how a record works as an actual physical representation of of the audio form being transmitted through a physical f- function. Like, the needle is bouncing around on a physical groove right. that is a physical representation of the, of the audio wave. Where a CD is a square wave at its very, you know, smallest measurement. Right. It, I mean, it, maybe it's... It, I mean, even if it's not square, like, it's very precise. Right. There's very little room for air. It's very crisp. It's a laser. Yeah, it's a laser. Laser. We're talking about lasers here. Laser. Steve is doing air quotes, and I think he's trying to do, like, a Dr. Evil thing, but he didn't really know. Yeah, I know. (laughs) 
I don't know if I could do any better, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Preparation H felt good on the whole. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I almost said that I'm going to have to go watch those movies again, but I really don't have to. <laughs> don't watch the movies again. Just listen to Less Than or Sequel to talk about Goldmember. Oh, my, oh my gosh. <laughs> So where are we going with this? Do we want to put an answer on this, or do we want to just say that it's like? I think there's it's just the way it is. I think there's something in the music world in general because we are coming from a, a beginning standpoint that um, traditional or traditionally produced music has an inherent benefit. Uh huh. Um, that a so in turn, we appreciate a method of producing pedals or a method of producing amplifiers or guitars or whatever uh-huh. that takes more effort on the part of the producer, of the manufacturer. Well, I think here's what I've got to say. I think these things aren't just electronic devices. These things are the tools of artists and creatives. And when you have creative tools, having things that are different goes a long way. Things that are specific to the people using them. And that's something that becomes available when people are hand building and innovating and inventing, you know, their own product. And that's just not, you can't access that on a the grand scale that you produce like a DVD player or a, a sure. desktop computer or a cell phone you've got to have these guys that are in a warehouse somewhere hand making you know 100 unit batches of pedals and they spent months of their lives developing you know this new quirky pedal that no one else has to push the limits and that's basically like it's an it's a tool of an artist it's a paintbrush just the same as, you know, an artist who paints might take, you know, a paintbrush and modify it to be his own tool to do his own thing. You know, it's 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 a creative tool. You can't mass produce, you know, just five different flavors of of overdrive box and think that's going to satisfy people because there's just a lot of room for experimentation there. So here's the thing that I think maybe we're overlooking is I think a lot of times when we think about boutique pedals, we assume everything is hand wired and it's, sure. and it's not sure. A lot of times what we're paying for is for recouped R and D costs. And because, oh uh, yeah. And because the, uh, scales aren't as great, right? The costs are higher. Sure. I mean, I work, so I work in biotech. And as much crap as like people talk about, want to talk about like, oh, Pfizer, Viagra, whatever. Like Uh the fact that Pfizer is able to peddle Viagra to like a billion 65 year old men. Well, who doesn't want Viagra? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't need it. I totally want. Well, (laughs) I don't, I don't need it, but sometimes like a four hour boner is just convenient. Um, For what? (laughs) <laughs> to hang your coat on. <laughs> so, so anyway, anyway, my my, my point. <laughs> <laughs> my my point is that something like Viagra that's totally like kind of dumb. 
uh-huh. um, supports like all of everything else that sure. Pfizer might be able it to do. It supports all their other experimentation. Yeah. And maybe one day they'll invent a cure for cancer and yeah. they'll be like, we finance this with boner pills. Exactly. Exactly. One, one of the things that like one of the companies I used to work for, uh, they're what they call like a charity project. Or like an like we talked about angel funding with Guitar Trader like uh, a long time ago. Yeah, um, or an angel investor. So I worked for a company whose uh, I guess you could call it an angel disease. Okay, was cystic fibrosis. Oh, okay, there's no cure for cystic fibrosis. Right, but the idea of being able to tell somebody like you can currently live to thirty. But with this drug we produced, you can now live to 40. That's a 25% increase in quality of life yeah. and a 25% increase in life. Yeah, no kidding. And that is a very small segment of the population. But because this company was developing, like, also developing a drug for, like, herpes or hepatitis or something that, like, stupid people get. If you have... <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Steve. <laughs> I, you know, I, I throw that out flippantly, but like a lot of people that have self-caused cer- ailments. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, you make mistakes because things happen, or maybe you didn't make a mistake, but it was just youthful a, indiscretion. Sh- that perfect example. You know, tampering. You know, poorly handled needles at a yeah. tattoo parlor. <laughs> Or maybe you you know you're older and you just need a boner pill. Yeah, sure. Like that is funding cancer research for Pfizer. Right. Um so my I don't know where I was going with this. Either do I. Crap. This somehow relates to oh, th- here we go. Okay. So my point is that sometimes when you buy a pedal from a, a company, it's not hand wired, but what you're paying for is the fact that they said this is basically an, a Boss SD1 clone, but we're going to do something interesting with it. Uh-huh. We're going to like, or we're going to take the time to actually like hand pick the transistors that go into this pedal. Right. And that might mean we buy a hundred transistors and we throw 50 of them away. Sure. Or maybe we throw 80 of them away. I don't know. Yeah. But I know that that's I the kind of effort. The, with like certain of those things, they can be really finicky. Yeah. Um, once you get into like the PCB world, a lot of that stuff can be done with robotics. A lot of that stuff can be done with maybe not CNC isn't quite the right word, Uh but it can be done with similar machines to like something that can be programmed to do your soldering for you, to do your part insertion, especially more and more boutique companies are using SMT parts and we've talked about this before because it allows them on the digital for digital pedals to do really incredible things. Uh-huh. Um, but it's like the research and the picking um, that you're doing that for. I, you know, I know a, a pedal that I've seen picked on a lot is the Emerson Custom M Drive. Sure, it's like a transistor. I think it's a it's a small handful of parts. Yeah, it's like eight eight parts or 10 parts or something. Uh-huh. But I don't know how hard it is to build one. Sure. Um, rather, I do know, I do have a rough idea of how hard it is to build one. Right. I don't know how hard it is to build one that works because I've done a little bit of research on like the various DIY sites, uh, free stunt boxes, DIY, whatever. Uh-huh. Dot blah blah these different forums where people are like i tried 
this transistor and this transistor and this transistor. People trying like 10 different transistors uh-huh. until they find one that works in this circuit. When you buy it direct from the company, they theoretically have already done that work for you. Right. So yeah, maybe you can build this pedal on your own for like 30 bucks, but do you really want to do all that testing on your own? Maybe you do. Maybe maybe you're that's the level of of intellectualism that you exist on and that's awesome. Uh-huh. But maybe you don't. Maybe you just want to drop 150 bucks and get it over with. Sure. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so my point being that not everything. I mean, is, how many JWUs does that thing have? You know, how do at you, least eighty? Are you going to be able to hit that that number if you make it at home? You know? Yeah, yeah. I, maybe, maybe you can surpass that number if you make it at home. Maybe get it all the way up to ninety six. Ninety six JWUs. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but my whole point is like not all boutique pedals are hand wired. But there's a lot of hand-wired pedals on the market that's just some schmug, schmub, schlub, whatever. Some it, some derogatory term. Yeah, some derogatory term that's just going on Aaron Nelson, downloading a Vero board circuit and selling it to you. Right. And I don't know that that's necessarily any better. If I'm building something for myself, I'm going to use Aaron Nelson and, and build a Vero board pedal. Sure. Excuse me. If I am... Um, building a pedal for a friend, a personal friend, and maybe they're going to pay me like parts plus 30 bucks, then I'll use Aaron Nelson. But if I feel like if I'm going to make something for mass production, like I want it to be on a PCB. I want it to look awesome. I want, if I'm going to do Vero board, like maybe I use Aaron Nelson, but I'm going to swap a bunch of components, but it's not going to be exactly Aaron Nelson. Sure. Uh, or there's a few other pe- sites like that. Uh, that have like pedal vero board schematics um but my point is is that these companies that exist are are going about legitimate business practices and they're supporting other people's livelihoods to make pedals work they're not just building a clone like a direct clone with no parts swapped right in their spare time right they're paying somebody to manufacture pcbs for them they're paying somebody else to do all the sorting work. They're paying somebody to do the to, art, to do the art, to yeah. do the engineering. They're paying someone to to put them in boxes and ship them out. Yeah, and there's a lot of people under this umbrella. And if, and you know, if you're cool with having a Vero board with with CTS or whatever mammoth parts or small bear or, or Tata or, or whatever yeah. pots in a plain exclo- enclosure or whatever I mean, enclosure things, I think those things are great if you're the one building them yeah you're the one having the experience of putting something together that's great if you you know you built a kit and you learned how a tube screamer works because you put one together that's awesome yeah I'm but I'm, I think I think there's a line where you know I mean we're getting into a whole different topic here yeah where there's a line where some guy is like oh I'll build you a tube screamer and it'll be boutique but he's just you know basically you mean boutique yeah boutique uh tremolo uh <laughs> that he's basically just putting together a kit that you could have put together and he's not right. making any creative decisions on right. it you know I think there's a line there but getting back to kind of the mystique of you know hand wired versus you know something that's mass produced it's just it just comes down to it's a completely different scene for consumers you know these are tools for artistry they're not uh static devices for you know you know modern entertainment right 
or modern and, and, modern business functions. And somebody or like brought that. up in the group like if if you had to hand wire a phone like. It's not. It's not possible. No, it's not possible. I mean, it's possible if you want. You like couldn't a, have hand, an analog phone. You couldn't have hand wired a. Uh, you wouldn't want to hand wire a phone from the nineties. You know, I'm talking like you. You know, like a. What is it? Twelve button phone. That, sure. That plugs into the wall. You, you open one of those things. There's a lot going on there. You yeah. wouldn't want to hand wire that. Yeah. Um, let alone a cell phone. Yeah, and I, I think the big thing is again, like if you want to DIY stuff. We're I'm all for DIY. Yeah, I've built a few pedals that failed. I know. Meg, and you want to sell them to your friends, or you want to sell them to other people who want that? That's fine too. Sure, it's all fine. You know, um, but I definitely think there's value in appreciating the companies that are doing things in, in a in a very specific way. And you know, sometimes when I see stuff that where people are like, well, this company is just doing a, doing a clone of this pedal and they're swapping out three parts and it's not really ethical right. or their 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 business ethics are bad or whatever. It's like how how many I mean, man hours did they put into to getting to the point where they knew which three parts yeah, to swap. And, and maybe they maybe it was a lot of work and maybe it wasn't. My challenge is always if you think they're charging too much, if you think their design is so simple that it shouldn't even count as a design change or whatever, uh-huh. do it better. Absolutely. If if you can build me a I don't know, Midnight 30 or JHS or whoever, uh-huh. Wampler, I don't care. If you can build me that pedal to the same level quality where your pedal isn't a clone of another pedal and you want to start a company and you're going to sell it to me at 60% of the cost as of their pedal. Sure. Yeah, I'm interested. Uh, I think Richard is also, uh, there's a company he's talking about called Shelly. Okay. Uh, Shelly Pedals. It's spelled C H. E L L E. Oh, is that that one that like he posted a video a while back? Yeah, I he's posted some videos. I didn't he, watch it. He's done some shootout stuff. The, their stuff is really good, and it's like a hundred dollar overdrive. It sounds great. I've been meaning to get in contact with them to see if if we can do a demo or something oh, for them. Um, but you know, I don't I don't know a lot about that. But they're they're a company that's like building a high quality product at a lower price. By all means, like if you have an idea, then then capitalize on it. Yeah. And if you're not in a position to capitalize it, I don't necessarily want to say like, well, just shut your dirty pie hole. But <laughs> but at you the know, end of the day, opinions are like assholes, you know. Yeah, we and, all have and, one. And I totally get it. Like, I could probably like vero board some stuff. Anything that you can vero board, you can build for like under fifty bucks. Sure. But that's a lot of time and effort to put into that. Yeah. And I mean, I, somebody else did the work to Vero board that. Yeah. Unless you're bought, unless you're going to buy the pedal and Vero and then, and then reverse yeah. engineer it on I your mean, th- own. Think about it in terms of another industry. Think about it as like, if these people were chefs, you, you could go to a very fancy restaurant and get a meal that, literally is composed of five ingredients but because the chef has you know decades of experience or you know who knows how much training or they're just legitimately talented they know how to do something special with those five ingredients 
Sure. You could go to another restaurant that uses the same five ingredients. Heck, maybe they use 12 ingredients, 20 ingredients, and it's not going to be as good. And it's because the person doing it doesn't have the experience, doesn't have the skill, doesn't have the talent. That's really what it comes down to. It comes down to, like I said, these kind of immeasurable things, the Jack White units, you know? Uh, just to wrap this up, I, you know, I don't know why I didn't think about this until literally as I started to write a note uh-huh. for whenever we get this episode uploaded. Uh, I think pedal building and amp building and whatever, like there's a certain artistry to it. Sure. If you want to appreciate the artist, you buy a salvage board, you buy a creation board, you buy a BBF board, whatever. Right. If you just want a pedal board, you buy pedal train. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm uh, sure the guys at pedal train don't want to hear that, but well, but it's, I it's, think it's, that I think the guys at pedal train like recognize like they're not doing something artistic. It's a piece of industrial they're design. They're doing art in, 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 industrial design. That's a perfect yeah. description. And uh, my wife for her birthday bought this clock. That's kind of this funky inlaid wood thing. Uh huh. Um, that like you could probably buy like a a lithographed version of it for half the cost. Sure. But the one that she has is like inlaid wood. Yeah. And it was like sixty or I think sixty five bucks. You could buy like a lithographed version for like ten bucks or tw- fifteen bucks or whatever. Uh huh. Well, Target would probably up up ups. Uh, Let's not get into Target. Rise the price up to like forty bucks or whatever. Uh, but I think there are certain sectors that where artistry is still appreciated. Absolutely. And I definitely think that pedal building overall, um, whether it's something that is done by an SMT machine with an original design or something that's hand wired, so a point to point built amp, whatever, yeah. turret board amp, these different like hand wired techniques. I think music as an art form still appreciates these things. Sure. Well, it's because it's a creative scene, you know? Yeah. It's creative people buying tools for their creativity. Right. And so I think in places where uh, ultimately, like, we look at things as an as an end to some means. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter how it's built as long as it works. Absolutely. But in an artistic field, there are nuances of perfection or imperfection that we can still appreciate in the individual design of a, again, of a pedal or an amp or a guitar or a painting or whatever, where we can say like, maybe this isn't from a fidelity perspective, perfect, right. but it's the imperfections in the design that make this special. perfect or yeah. special. Perfect or special or, you know, it's got that immeasurable thing, like you yeah. keep saying. You know, it's, you can't explain what it is. And also, I think this was close enough to gearing up for me that you should finish your drink. <laughs> and to be honest, you did, I think you took like two bathroom breaks. At least. Yeah, I paused our recording a couple of times. Yeah. So you guys should be at least three beers deep <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> but it's an hour and a half long episode so it's okay that's a good spread um what's our song we don't have a song i'll pick a uh, a national anthem which is uh gonna be my theme for 2015 when we don't have a uh, a song sent to us if you are in a band you know there are like you... 180 
or I think there's over 200 countries. So this could probably be our theme for a few years. It could keep going for a long time. Uh, if you are a musician who has recordings, if you are thinking about recording, uh, if you're in a band, whatever, if you're friends in a band, you can send us the tracks. You can literally record yourself playing acoustic guitar. I have 22 emails from your wife. Oh my gosh. When she gets ripping on Craigslist, she finds stuff. Did I say 22? I meant 23. Oh my gosh. Okay. You can record yourself playing acoustic guitar on your iPhone send it to us. As long as it's not the most obnoxious thing we've ever heard as far as quality goes, then we're going to play it. We're just going to play it. You can send us anything. We played a song written by Co. that's about Steve going pee-pee. Yeah. Uh, we do not have... Well, I did a mini-sode where I just played guitar into my earbuds. Yeah, like we we want to play people's stuff no matter what it is. So just send us your stuff, email it us. Email it to us at 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, we are, we generally, I think, consider ourselves a PG 13 rated podcast. So keep, bear that in mind a little. Sure. Like when if we you're say gonna, anything goes, maybe not exactly anything right, goes. Right. Like, uh, I'm not even going to say. All right. There's all kinds of awful things you could write songs about. You know, maybe not those songs. Maybe give us a choice between three of your awful songs, and we'll pick <laughs> we'll pick the, the the least awful of them. Yeah, don't sing a song a song about magnets and how you don't know how they work. I was almost thinking about playing that song for this episode. <laughs> I was like, nah, I should stick with the national. What anthems. country is that an anthem for? Uh, the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. See you guys next time. Oh, beautiful. For spacious sky, for amber waves of grain, for the purple mountain majesty above the plains. Ah, um, wait, wait, what? What is it? What what is what is that that you're doing? Oh, oh America! Oh America! Oh what about God shed grace? Oh he shed the grace on me! Oh no! Oh. And the crown the good! What about the good? What about the brotherhood, the crown good? Oh, the brotherhood. Oh, the shining sea, the sea, the shining sea. Oh, no. Oh, what about heroes proof? Oh, liberating strife. Oh, oh, the self their country loved and mercy more than life. Oh, oh no, may God go refine. Oh, oh. Success and nobleness, oh, oh, every game divine, oh no, oh no, oh no. Oh my god, I'm back. I'm home. All the time it was. We finally really did it. You maniac! You blew it up! Oh, 
Ah, damn you! Damn you!